Good morning. Welcome to episode nine of Owl and Fell's Norwich City Football Club We Meet Again series. This is the podcast where we look back at the history between Norwich City and our next opponents. And I'm back, Fell, in your house, aren't I? Back in the original studio. Reunited. <laughs> and it feels so good to quote a famous 70s ballad. So we were thinking probably a year since we last did a record here, wasn't it? And we had the um, Sky Sports on in the background doing our research. This, Yeah, exactly that. It was about a year ago. We can't remember the game, but maybe, was it Luton? Thinking? We think it was remember. Luton, don't we? Yeah, it was kind of in between lockdowns, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know about you, but it all blurs, doesn't it, this, this last year or couple of years? Yeah, exactly that. What a strange year. And it's great to have you back in the in the official Alan Val studio. Where it all, all began. <laughs> yeah, it all began in a pub in Norwich, didn't it? That's where it all it, began. It did. The very and then first it... one. That's kind of unreleased, though, isn't it? That, oh, yes. That podcast, you know. Yeah. You have to do that on, like, a, you know, when a band sort of, like, run out of album ideas. They release kind of, like, their outtakes and demos. We'll, we'll release that on a demo CD one day. Yeah. We'll have to um, maybe go full circle and do the last one in a pub. Yeah, I'm always up for that. Always up for the pub, yeah. Exactly. So it's Saturday morning. We've gone from Monday night podcast and to Saturday morning yeah. podcast. And so we swapped the ales for the lattes, haven't we? Absolutely. And delicious they are as well. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. That's okay. Anytime, Phil. So I'm looking forward to this one, Phil, because yeah. it's a, a city that I, I lived in for three years. It's um, the place where I went to university. I remember watching them while I was up there. And I went to the ground and I just got a ticket off chance. I didn't pre-book or anything and I got in and I watched the the champions. They were the champions at that point. They'd won the championship the season before. Have you guessed it, Val? It's the Yorkshire Giants. Yeah, Leeds Leeds United. Leeds United, (laughs) yes. Lots to get into, obviously. I guess first up, they are one of these clubs that, they do create a bit of interest when they pop up on the fixture list, don't they? They've got that certain pull to them. They were a massive club in the 60s and 70s, weren't they? It was they were... the 70s, wasn't it? You yeah. remember the Don Revy yeah. years? Just before Brian and Clough took over. Uh, yeah, so that was obviously an impressive side then. Tarnished. I mean, they did whatever it took to win, I think it was fair to say. We're getting back into that game management chat, aren't we? That we this we is it, and they're, and they're probably kind of like... Um, one of the pioneers of game management in this country. I think it's a polite way to say it. And I think that DNA probably has always followed them through. But at the same time, that's not actually criticism. It's probably something that Norwich need don't do enough of at times. Exactly. And um, so uh, fair play to them for that one. They always followed in huge numbers away from home. I think I've got that on record on one of the podcasts we talked about away fans at Carrow that have really stood out for you. And I yeah. think you said Leeds were probably the team. Yeah, absolutely. They do follow. I mean, the home support isn't necessarily dynamic at times over the years. I think Norwich, we get a little bit spoiled by seeing the ground 98% full the whole time. Yeah. So, but their away fans following is unbelievably impressive. Yeah. Uh, it's the, I think it's the combination of volume, but atmosphere as well. Yeah. Noise as well, isn't it? I think that's all fair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They they create a lot of noise. A very competitive crowd, uh, as you should be away from home. And, uh, yeah, no fair play to them from that point of view. Exactly. And I guess the other thing with Leeds, you talked about the 70s and that era where they were winning um, championships and getting deep into European competitions. Yeah. The other era you tend to think of Leeds is that boom or bust under David O'Leary, wasn't it? Yeah. 
was it Peter Ridsdale, the yeah the chairman, and how a club absolutely went for broke, didn't they? They were spending like it was going out of fashion. Yeah, and ultimately it's what happened, wasn't it? <laughs> and that's the thing. And I think sometimes when Norwich fans, um, you know, call for Delia and Cody spending more, well, actually, it's probably not going to work. And it's the, the, the risk is actually you might lose your club. And Leeds were very close. If it wasn't for the fact that Leeds are, in fairness to them, such a big side, they yeah. probably wouldn't have been saved. They probably would have disappeared. I mean, they, yeah. they. I mean, having a club like Leeds in League One is actually unthinkable. But it's even more unthinkable to think of Leeds for a club of that stature not existing. I mean, we've had clubs yeah. obviously going bust or disappearing off the map, and Berry's the one that springs to mind. And yeah, you know, obviously Berry means a lot to their fans, but the implications of a club. It, it's that first big club yeah. that goes under or does yeah. a bury that will really create waves throughout football, isn't it? Absolutely. And Leeds were so close to being that club, weren't they? It really was. And yeah, so obviously they got big penalties for it in terms of points deductions, which they I come in, they started off the league one season, I think, didn't they? On like minus fifteen or something, didn't they? Yeah. Certainly there was big point deductions, wasn't there? Yeah. I think they had it over a few seasons, I'm sure. I'm sure they had it the previous season as well, and that's kind of what contributes to their yeah. relegation. And then you get kind of in this Fisher circle, don't you? You have your points deducted, and you can't catch up enough to get promoted. And then you another year yeah. in that league. Teams like Sunderland, if you don't go up in that first season, Portsmouth as well. Portsmouth, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. We're getting. I mean, we're going to be up and down. But as soon as you go down, the quality starts drifting away from you, doesn't it? Yeah. And we managed to get back up again with a strong team. We had a championship quality side in that league one season. If we didn't get up in that first year, we would have started to see players drift away yeah. from us. It doesn't take long for it to start to yeah. erode, does it? Yeah, exactly that. I mentioned I went to university in Leeds and I actually went to watch Norwich play. I did that thing where I was in the home end. Yeah. And this was even worse as I actually saw us get relegated as a consequence of that defeat in that game. Oh, I think I remember the season, yeah. This was 94-95, so this, yeah. the year we dropped out of the Premier League after... We'd had nine seasons in the top flight, so it was quite a blow. We only lost 2-1, and we did take the lead. It was one of those games where if we lost, we were down, but almost if we won... All that was doing was giving us a fighting chance. Yeah, I remember it. I remember it happening. I was with my friend Tim Digby at the time. I think I was playing footy in uh, in the little green area beside his house. And I remember hoping coming... the skates were watching. <laughs> maybe so. You know? I mean, maybe the Boy Scouts, not actual <laughs> football scouts. I guess they they wouldn't have got very much from my talent. But yeah, I remember it. And it's one of those things, obviously, we're talking back in the 90s here, pre-internet even, really. So I had to go back indoors and check out CFAX. So, oh, no, it's <laughs> lost. That's great. So yeah, to carry on. So, But it was it was very much expected, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, um, well, I think I made, made a little note here. We won an awful run. I think we'd won one game in 18. Yeah. So the fact that we lost that one didn't really define our season. I remember it being quite difficult because that win guaranteed them a European place. And those were the days where a European place actually meant something. Unfortunately, today it's seen as a bit of a hindrance, isn't it? Yeah, anything else on the Champions League, teams almost do the best to get back out. Like we saw yeah. Tottenham this week basically fielded a... Uh, talk, talking about European runs for Norwich, um, they obviously lost 1-0 to Vitesse Arnhem, didn't they? And pretty Who's much, that, Tottenham? Yeah, they, oh, they lost on that. Thursday night yeah, to Vitesse. And 
Um, that team we obviously dispatched with a plum. And I'm wearing the shirt that we wore that day. Absolutely. So Tottenham, obviously, but that's it. I mean, obviously, we remember what a big deal the European fixtures yeah. were. Um, but Tottenham were there basically of their literally second string side. Highlights your point that Europe is not something that people want these days. No, but I remember that day, it was a massive deal. And the celebrations, as they scored quite late. And who, who was their famous striker at the time? Tony Yeboah? Yeah, Tony Bowen would have been at that era. Yeah, I think he scored. And I remember it being Bedlam in the home end, as yeah. you'd expect. And I was joining in. Yeah, as you're saying, what did he do? Was that, uh, I was joining in, yeah. I was um, putting on a, quite a convincing act, actually. Well, the fact I got out of there in one piece yeah. suggests it was. But it, was, um, it wasn't as tough as you'd think, because I think me, like most Norwich fans, and like you said, had already got a heads around relegation. Yeah. And that was almost... That defeat confirmed it, but yeah. we knew a long, long time ago that we were going down. A bit like two seasons ago, you know, I don't, I can't remember which game officially put us down, whether it was Brighton or West Ham, but it didn't really yeah, feel like a defining defeat. No, I think it was West Ham was the official game, I think if I remember rightly, but it was, as you quite rightly, for me, it was after the Southampton game, after lockdown. I thought going into that game, we had a genuine chance of if we could beat Southampton we had a genuine chance of beating them a couple of teams and getting back out of it but after the Southampton game I kind of thought I couldn't see us getting out of it after that it was like just it wasn't so much just the game it's the, the sorry the result itself it was the manner of defeat and as you quite rightly say it was it always makes me laugh and you always get it on Sky Sports don't you like you always see like a team's I remember West Ham and they got relegated a few years ago and obviously last game of the season like all the fans are interviewing crying fans I'm like it's like, is this a shock to you? You've been like bottom of the league yeah. for the past six months. Is this, you know, is this somehow crept up on you? It's like, I, I get it the other way around. When, you, when your promotion is confirmed, that is a moment to celebrate. But like relegation, it's, it's very rarely a shock, is it? No, no, you're right. Good news, Phil. Last meetings, obviously a lot of these episodes we've been looking back at the awful Premier League season. But obviously the last time we played Leeds was... In Daniel Fokker's first championship winning season. So we've got a yeah. couple of, um, well, we've got one game in particular, which will bring a smile to your face. But focus on the first of those two games that season. And it was an early doors defeat. We lost 3-0. I'm sure you remember it well. Yeah. Leeds full of energy. I think people were saying there's no way that team's not going up. I think me, I think Leeds, and you'll, you know, you'll tell me, but. Leeds looked a cut above everyone else and certainly above ourselves who'd had a difficult start that season. Yeah, uh, are you absolutely correct in all you say? Uh, we, I agree with you a lot, don't I? We were talking about this earlier that we need more conflict on the podcast, but I can't disagree with you that it's all absolutely correct. So I remember going into that game, we'd actually, I think we'd only won maybe one game, Preston, I think, yeah. at the moment. Um, we'd actually been playing pretty well. I was actually quite happy with how we were playing. And... The same thing actually happened after the Leeds game. We actually, I thought we started pretty well and we looked like we're trying to pass the ball around and do the right things. But Leeds came at us with so much energy in their press. Uh, Which is what their game was based on, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly that. And that was that. And, and ultimately, we just couldn't hold them back when they got going. But as what seems to happen on the Bielsa side is that they suffered with a burnout through the season. But at that moment, it looked like they were clearly the best side. They, they felt like a cut above, not just us, but everyone in the league. It was, yeah. 
you know, the West Brom game was one of those games which four three it could have gone either way. We probably should have won it actually. But the Leeds game was like, okay, they're the next level. We're not getting near them. Is it three nil? Was it? I'm sure it's three nil. Yeah. 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 But we, you know, I, I was quite happy with how we we're playing. And at, at that point, I'd very much had the mindset that we were a work in progress. And I liked the direction that we were progressing in. So it was, I wasn't actually as disappointed as maybe some people were. But I mean, you never like a defeat. You never, yeah. you never revel in a defeat, particularly in the championship. But I didn't, I wasn't devastated with it. And it felt like Leeds were a together team a couple of seasons down the road from us. Yeah. And then let's fast forward to February. And I got down here. I think not only was it the finest performance of that season, but probably the finest performance for many a season, that 3-1 victory up there. And we were in communications, weren't we, yep. during that game? Messages were being exchanged. Absolutely. I was watching it. I gave you that dream scenario. I found a pub in Bristol and it had three TVs. And on one TV was Norwich beating Leeds. On the other TV was a Six Nations game. And then on the other TV was England cricket in the Caribbean. Yeah, that's a great night out. That's the that's pub a I'd be happy in. Yeah, although confession, I was on my own, which is a bit of a sorry state of affairs. That oh night. well, I, I, yeah. I was I was with you in spirit. That's it. I, I was sat about a meter away from where I'm sitting now. So, so I guess for me, what really stood out was the size of that game and the hostile environment. Very easy to crumble. We were. You know, we were by no means clear. I don't even know if we were top at that point, but it was all, we were very, very close to Leeds in terms of points. And to go into that environment and to really control the game and to be relatively comfortable, I can't remember being particularly on edge, which is amazing Yeah, considering it. The technique as well. Probably the one game that, I mean, we've been playing obviously really well up to that point, but that was a defining game for me and thinking that actually we are too good for We are a proper championship win inside. I think that was the game that defined it for me as well, actually, to be fair. I, was, I remember coming out after Christmas. We Going into Christmas, all of a sudden we looked like we actually were going to go up and it looked like we had a genuine chance of winning the league. But I remember we had a sort of a faulty Christmas period, didn't we? It didn't quite, obviously drew it home to Forest, lost at home to Derby. It was very much, I felt going into Leeds game, it was very much us or Leeds really. And I still felt... It had we, that real big game feel to it, do you remember? It did have a massive game feel to it. Yep. The atmosphere, you could feel the atmosphere even on the TV, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was at both sides of properly up for it and, I, and we coped with the atmosphere better than Leeds did um, and maybe the energy that they had at the beginning of the season they were no longer able to quite keep to the same level and yeah we controlled it it was a tribal and Vrancic masterclass it was it? yeah two of our favourites yeah yeah and Tommy, Tommy Tribal was a fantastic player in the championship and I remember you've mentioned that game as well as being the game that he really stood out yeah he was just unplayable that game that goes down as one of Norwich's probably greatest ever away games, league games. It was just away from home, that atmosphere, that game of that magnitude, and yep. just to control it the way we did. Um, never really gave him a sniff. No. No, I, yeah, completely agree with you. We're agreeing again, so. Yeah. Um, we'll find some some we'll point. I'll, I'll be controversial somewhere down the line. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about early meetings, so this is where you might learn something, so. 
Okay. So Leeds were actually rather strangely came into the game quite late, considering the size of the city and obviously their geographical position up north. He only turned pro in nineteen nineteen. Okay. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So that's well after us, yeah. Yeah, you would have had them down as being a almost a founding member, wouldn't you? Well, particularly given its location, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They were by no means a big club like they are today, and they actually almost merged with Huddersfield around that time, who were the biggest club in, in Yorkshire. Yeah. So they were very close to just merging and becoming part of Huddersfield. Can we do a podcast where you go to a Leeds pub and suggest that again? <laughs> you know, we talk about sending me to a wave pub. Let's actually go to Leeds Stronghold and say, have you thought about merging with Huddersfield? <laughs> See how that one goes down. Or Manchester United. Or Man U, exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a topic for uh, our next podcast series, I think. <laughs> yeah. Send foul into um, a selected pub yeah. <laughs> with an away top on and record the uh, <laughs> the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was the, the first game we played in was 1935 in the FA Cup, and there's only really been a few Division Two meetings. Obviously, football was quite regional at that point, certainly in the lower divisions, so we didn't play them that much. Uh, obviously, they had the upper hand in the 70s, because they were one of the top sides in the country. Although we did beat them 3-0 at Ellen Road in, in 1976, which was a result that really stood out. And then there's a couple of promotion parties. you like a party? For, Absolutely. Like a promotion party? Yeah. Well, there's one for us and one for Leeds. So May 1986, we were already promoted. Leeds came to Cow Road for the final game of the season. So it's one of those fantastic occasions, and we've both experienced them. And... I think the Coventry one for me sticks out when we got promoted under Lambert. Yeah. We played Coventry on the last game and it was a real, it's just one of those games that you go to and the results irrelevant. Yeah. The job's exactly. done. Leeds turned up and we beat them 4 0. So, proper way to end the season. May 1992, Leeds won the first, they won the last first season title. Yeah. I'm sure you remember with, um, Cantona. Yeah, Cantona, yeah. Who else did they have? Well, they had that famous midfield, didn't they, of Speed, Batty, Strachan and McAllister. Yeah, that was quite formidable midfield, actually, yeah. We turned up at Ellen Road for the final game of that season, so they'd already won the title. Yeah. So, you know, we were safe. We'd secured our safety for another season, so almost a perfect game for both clubs. Yeah. Do you think we were party poopers? Oh, or did we? Uh, you know, it's I, I I don't remember the result. It's not the one where Jeremy Goss scored a cracker, is it? It's not. Um, no, that was two. Yeah, that was two seasons after. Uh, this is. Oh, it's ninety two. It is. Yeah, it? this was the this was the last. In fact, this was our last ever game in Division One. So the yeah our next game was the famous 4-2 win at Highbury yeah. at the start of the, the following season. Yeah, so this is the last Premier League, uh, last game before the Premier League was yeah. was arrived. Yeah. So um, football hadn't started. <laughs> no, <exactly>. Pre-football. <laughs> Pre-football. <laughs> Pre-record. But we were it. playing in some old setup called Division 1 at the time. Yeah. And yeah, last ever game in Division 1. We went out with a 1-0 defeat. Okay. We, we hadn't had a great season. Leeds won the title. Everyone would have taken that and we all moved on. But funny enough, my next point, I've got in the, the head in here, 
Gossy at it again, <laughs> Jeremy Goss, and you brought it up, didn't you? Sorry, did I ruin ruin it? Yeah, and and what a goal it was as well, be, because that was no, it's an awful goal, Phil. <laughs> Horrendous! Goal. I don't know what you're talking because, about. You don't know a good goal. <laughs> no, that was, I remember it well because that was. Um, I mean, that was talking about famous volleys involving Leeds United. You see it repeated a lot that it, goal, don't you? Yeah, that was up there with Tony Oboa. I mean, it's Jeremy. That's probably for me Jeremy Goss's best goal. Um, yeah. Everyone remembers the gloriousness of the Bayern Munich goal. Um, Are you picturing the goal now? As you're yeah. talking about it. So if I remember rightly, Rule Fox got the ball basically down the left hand side. Yeah. He strode into the Leeds half of his pace. It was a quick counter, I think. It was a quick yeah. counter, yeah. And he got a ball kind of like in the left box area and he held up for a second, kind of cut back onto his right foot and, and saw Goss coming in at the top of the area and, yeah, crossed it in and he just caught his volley sweetly, didn't he? It was was like, it a cross or a pass, do you think? Oh, I'm going to go pass, actually. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna say, I mean, I'd, yeah, I'm going to say cross, yeah. I'd say that's a pass. He, he, he was picking him out as far yeah. as I can see with that one. And Jeremy, yeah, got, it, got himself on the end of it and blasted it in. Do you know, there's a way you can tell how good a goal is. And this is what I, I remember really standing out for me was if you look at the reaction of the home fans how many of them were applauding yeah and Leeds fans are notorious they don't give a lot to any other club do they no but I remember if you watch it again you look at how many of those are applauding when that yeah. goal goes in that's, that's got to be a sign hasn't it yeah and it of was the quality for any any listeners out there who haven't seen it um I'm sure there's very few of them but get on YouTube now very few listeners or few of you viewers listeners viewers. whatever yeah whatever you haven't, <laughs> you haven't seen it no you need to get on get on YouTube now Goss versus Leeds is his best goal it was an absolute belter um do you remember yeah. the score I don't I think we won did we I think we won quite well didn't we, we did yeah uh, 4-0. I was going to say I thought it was 4 I thought it was 4-2, but yeah. yeah, that was the, yeah, we, we hammered them that year. Yeah, and they were a good side. I mean, it just, just shows how, this was in the, the uh, well, I got it down here, 21st August 1993. So this was the early start of the season after we finished third and we'd kept that momentum up. Yeah. And yeah, just shows what a side we were back then. Now, Fallon, we talk a lot about player connections don't we? Yes. And Leeds, there's quite a lot of connections okay. all around a very similar period. Yeah. I'm going to run through these. I've got four names down here and yeah. I kind of know your opinions on most of these, but we'll, we'll go through them together. And it became a bit of a, a bit of a running joke almost at some point that Leeds had become a bit of a feeder club for us. And, you know, it, it definitely was said in jest rather than anything <laughs> serious but and I think it backs your point up that you've you've made a few times in that the big club syndrome kind of disappears when a player looks at the black or white of the scenario at the time and the fact no one's going to deny that moving from Leeds to Norwich if you look at club size and history it's a, a step down but obviously all these players that moved, it was a step up in terms of Premier League football and probably cash in the back pocket. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we had that period where Leeds were literally our feeder club. And the Leeds fans, thanks to the wonders of social media, I know that they did not take it well. 
No. They were not happy about it. No, and I, I completely get that. It, Me too. It, it was, yeah, quite embarrassing, I guess, for them. And it was a bit of a stick, uh, yeah, wasn't I, it, to poke them with? I, I can think of three of the four players, but I can't think of the fourth one. Okay, well, let's go down the list, Well, And these, it was quite strange. It was all in the same era. I say strange, but in a way it's not strange because, and I'm sure we've mentioned this before, in that it does become a bit of a domino effect because, obviously, if one player goes... The other player's going to have known that player. Yeah. And they probably talk and. If they're happy about where they are. Exactly. So I'm going to run down the list and I think I just want your thoughts on them and where you rated them as a Norwich player. So, number one, and this, is, this isn't this is in the order that they were signed, I don't think, but we've got Mr. Bradley Johnson. Yeah. So Bradley Johnson was a hero. He basically had that 2015 playoff season. It was almost him, to a certain extent, single-handedly. It wasn't single-handedly, actually, but he... He had a great goal in this locker, didn't he? Yeah, but it, he did. He had And he had some important goals. And that goal against Ipswich at home, when he absolutely just smashed the living yeah. daylights out of it, that's still one of my favourite ever Norwich goals, A, because it's so important, and B, because it's just one of those hit-it <laughs> moments that absolutely smashed it. Yeah. But his personality shone through that team, didn't it? His kind of never say die attitude and his like. Would you say a proper Paul Lambert? Yeah, player, hundred percent. Um, but I liked him as a player, and I thought we got rid of him a little bit early, actually. Yeah. Um, I felt it's a little bit of a mistake getting. I can understand actually. I was a bit more sympathetic with the decision than some people were, uh, but I could understand why he was moved on. But we kind of his ability wasn't all of wasn't what it was all about. I mean, he had ability. He was a good player. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but. He was more than just about a footballer, wasn't he? He was that, that personality and that yeah. and that swagger about him. But interesting, I remember us signing him because he scored a cracking goal for Leeds against Arsenal in the FA Cup. Um, I remember us signing him, and I remember Leeds fans were a bit like, "Oh, that's fine, you can have him." We thought you're going for Johnny Housen, um, but uh, oh, Bradley Johnson is fine. But actually, Bradley Johnson probably had as much effect as um, you know what Johnny did. But I, I mean, what know. would you say as a midfielder? Did he have a little bit of everything? I mean, what type of midfielder was he? he was was he more defensive, more attacking, more box to box? Well, I'd say it was more box to box. But he often got played sort of like leftish, didn't he? Sort of like more on the left hand side. But he wasn't. He absolutely wasn't a winger. He was just more of a traditional midfielder. Yeah. You know, and you can't. You don't seem to see that so much these days. In that. You tend to have, you know... You get pigeonholed into certain yeah. areas of the midfield now, don't you? Yeah, you get like a defensive midfielder or you get like an attacking midfielder or you get a playmaker or something. And yeah. Actually, he was just a good old-fashioned box-to-box. He just he plays in the middle of the park. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah, influential um, personality, determination. Ah, love him. What a guy. Excellent. And I think you're going to say similar things to number two on the list. And I know he's one of your all-time favourites, and this might be an area where we do disagree a bit because I don't rate him quite as highly as you. Well, this is going to be a tragic falling out, if it, it's who I think it is. It's Mr. Johnny Hassan. Oh, yeah, this is this is tra- Yeah, he's one of my favourites. Um, how would you describe Hassan compared to Johnson? They're both central midfielders. Yeah. Where, uh, where would they differ? Uh, so the thing is with Bradley Johnson is that he lets personality dictate the game. Uh, whereas I thought Johnny Housen just let his ability, he was a bit quiet and got on with it. It reminded me a little bit more of Dunga from that famous like 90s Brazilian side where actually it was almost like 
unspectacular in his work, but actually was the glue which held the team together. He had his exceptional ability. He's a great passer. Uh, he's a great finisher. He had the, had a lot going on. And he, I felt he was very tactically uh, aware. I felt that he um, got given a job to do and he did it. He, he didn't, you know, um, make me fuss about it. Um, and I thought he was an exceptional player. I think he's one of the best midfielders in the championship at the time. Yeah. Why do you think he never really cemented himself in, and I'm making this an assumption here, I don't actually know this, but I get the feeling he's not, if you talk to most Norwich fans, they would say, yeah, great player, but he never quite got to that legend level. Yeah, I mean, I think he, uh, maybe the era he played in actually is a little bit, I think the problem with Johnny Howison was a little bit like Paul Scholes for England in that it was a brilliant central midfielder. Absolutely brilliant. Probably our best central midfielder, as Paul Scholes was. But also because he was so good, he could also do a job elsewhere on the pitch. Yeah. And often Johnny Housen kind of got moved out onto the right-hand side because he could do a job um, whilst they let other players like in, in the middle, like Tetty, for example, or whoever. A little bit of Paul Scholes always got pushed yeah. onto the left-hand side for England. Yeah. Or Whereas, you know, well, we've got Gerard and Lampard, they can play, so I'll put you on the left. But Actually, in my opinion, that's the wrong thing to do. If Johnny Housen is so good, he's undroppable, as Paul Scholes is, in my opinion, the best English midfielder we've had in a generation, you don't move them to another position. You build a team around exactly. them. And if it yeah. makes a difficult choice of dropping someone else, then you have to do it. Um, and that's where I was with, with Housen. But he had unparalleled ability. And the Nottingham Forest goal, still one of the best goals I've seen at, for, at, at Carrow Road. Exactly. Yeah, and that kind of demonstrates his, yeah, like you say, his technical ability doesn't it so, so where are you on Housen? i want to know where we're falling out i'm not that far behind you to be honest i mean i haven't seen him like you have because you know i only get to watch the odd game and i think you're right in that so even when we fall out i'm agreeing with you yeah we just can't get away from this, this. is this is a real shame for the for the people looking for controversy in that's the podcast. it i know reality tv and all that it's all about um you know in-house fighting and bitching yeah. isn't it um yeah, I think you're right. I think, I guess, for me, he just didn't quite seem to do enough. And it might be more the era of the teams he was playing in. And maybe he was a victim of that. Maybe it's that consistency, I would say. Like, he would, one game, he would be running it. The next game, you know, not so. And he did play in some, in certainly in a few games. We talked about the Brighton game where we got absolutely stuffed and I think he played in that one. So he he played in games where you'd expect him to dominate. Yeah. But ultimately games where Norwich were losing championship games. So maybe he didn't quite get to that level that yeah. people would expect. But yeah. He, he's probably a little bit of a disappointment and he probably didn't go on to do as much as what people thought he's going to. Yeah. I remember when he first came to Carrow, he was touted as being the next like England captain and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And obviously he uh, when it came down to it, he never really had much of a Premier League career. Exactly. He played a couple of times with us, and that was it, really. Yeah, never quite fulfilled that. I guess he came with quite a lot of expectation, and that's always a difficult position to be in. And yeah. for me, he probably a good player. But like I say, he never. I don't think he's quite entered legendary status at Carrow Road. I would say he's probably behind Bradley Johnson in terms of the affection that Norwich fans hold. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair both in terms of like 
the Norwich fans probably do hold Bradley Johnson in high regard. Yeah. And also probably fair in the impact that Bradley Johnson had in that, particularly that one season. Yeah. Um, but I would also say that when obviously Bradley Johnson moved on and Halston was sort of stuck in that Premier League team, whereas, um, so he obviously was in that team which didn't do very well, got relegated. Yeah. And that probably tarnished his reputation a little bit. Yeah. No, I agree. Moving on, the next player on the list, and I think he did play in a relegation team as well, Robert Snodgrass. Oh, cool, Snoddy. I forgot about Snoddy. He was one I forgot about. Oh, yeah, he, I love Snodgrass. Um, another midfielder, but more more of a, a winger, Yeah, as you say. Yeah, exactly. And a traditional winger, um, he was a little bit like Royal Rovers for Norwich in that 2015 season. He kind of did everything. Uh, he was on every free kick and every corner routine. Um, this was in the season under Chris Hutton that we actually finished mid-table. He that was the, his first season, I think, wasn't it? Or was it? I thought it was under. Um, I thought it was under Alex Neal. No, Snodgrass came in. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, sorry, you're quite right. Uh, yeah, Chris Hutton. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. And um, well, yeah, that season we finished mid-table, and I remember him scoring a winner against uh, Spurs at home, and I think he was quite influential. Yeah, he had a good season. He, I really liked him, and it's probably gone on that he's had a decent Premier League career, actually, hasn't he? He's probably the one. So he's still at West Ham. Um, I think so. He may be on loan out to... He was on loan at West Brom, wasn't he, for a while? Um, yeah. He may be kind of like dropping down a little bit now. He's not a youngster anymore. But actually, out of out of the three players, House and Snodgrass um, and uh, Johnson, he's probably the one Norwich fans hold in the, like the lowest regard in terms of that. Well, you went into the fourth. Oh, I know. I, remember, I do know the fourth is. I want to remember. But they probably held him in the lowest regard in terms of out of those three. Um, but actually, he was probably the best player out of the three of them in terms of that he's actually gone on to have a genuine Premier League career. Yeah, and also he probably played, like you say, a central role in a Norwich side that finished mid-table in the Premier League. Yeah, exactly. And you could argue that Johnson did as well under the Lambert era. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah I thought he was a great player. I really rated him. I think he had this... It's a bit like the Chris Waddle, wasn't it? He looked like he was knackered all the time, didn't he? And yeah. I, I wouldn't like to use the word lazy, but he looked... He didn't look like um, what you'd expect a winger to be, like nippy and yeah, particularly tricky. But, what I mean, what was he like as a winger? Was he a traditional winger where he'd get down the byline and whip across in? He, exactly that, really. You wouldn't expect him to beat players particularly. He wouldn't sort of like, it's completely not a pace. He wasn't a pacist of wingers. He wasn't slow either by any stretch of imagination. He, he would get down the line, get balls in, and also he was very good from dead set pieces. He, he was kind of on every free kick and yeah. corner. And I remember like at Norwich sometimes, it was almost frustrating because he'd take a corner from the right hand side. He'd kind of go away for over, defended, corner go out on the left hand side. You see Snodgrass sort of trotting across the pitch. <laughs> I've got it, lads. Take it, goes out for a corner right hand side, like here he goes again. Yeah. Right, he almost got a little bit of stick um, because he was doing everything, and therefore, not everyone's going to, not everything is going to work. And I think yeah. sometimes that stood out in fans' minds. But describe him as a solid winger. He wasn't going to beat players of pace and and particularly skills. But was he, he a bit tricky. like a David Beckham, where he wouldn't necessarily go past the defender, but the quality of the ball that he put in, yeah, basically. would be enough. Yeah, de- de- definitely that. And also, he was skillful. He had, he had his tricks. He's a very clever player. Um, I really, really like Snodgrass. Yeah, and I'd like to say he's gone on to have a decent Premier League career. So fair play to him. Yeah. So final 
player. Who do you think it is? Well, it's Becchio, isn't it? It is, yeah. He's the one I remembered. It's not Grass, it's the one I forgot, funny enough. What an odd one that was, wasn't Just it? He put it... Quick, quickly, sorry to, to, sorry to chop around, but going back to Snodgrass, there was one yep. very important moment in his career. I don't know if you remember this, but um, when Ricky, we've got a penalty versus Aston Villa at home. Yeah, when Paul I do Lambert remember. was managing, and yeah. um, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel was going to step up to take the penalty. Snodgrass took it off him and missed. A sliding doors moment. Is and it? that was, uh, we went on to lose the game. Yeah. Ricky were, obviously went on to not score again in the league for Norwich. Oh, well, Big yeah. Moment, that was. Exactly, yeah. He, who knows where our history would have gone <laughs> yeah. if Ricky had taken that and put it in the top corner. I mean, probably still a 1-1 draw. And <laughs> we'd have gone down to 28 points as opposed to 27. But there we go. Yeah. Well, I can I can tell you trying to avoid talking about Becchio. Oh, so Becchio, I actually felt sorry for Becchio. I, yeah, agreed. When he came in from... He was almost, you look at that list of players, in terms of excitement, he was probably up there, wasn't he, when he joined? Yeah. Because he'd scored a lot of goals at Leeds, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I remember him coming in, and I liked him at, when he played for Leeds, but I thought he looked really tricky. Did you ever see him play for us? Is it, I can't remember yeah. how many games he played. Almost none. Like yeah. he played at home and as a the, sub, yeah. And the when we beat West Brom 4 0 at home, when West Brom literally came up, cut the game towards the season, yeah, holidays, chairs, yeah. Um, and he helped set up a goal for I think Johnny House, and I think he nodded the ball down for House and to bend in the top corner. I really liked him, I thought he was a great player at Leeds, and he never got a look in for Norwich. Why um, was that, do you think? Well, there's a few reasons. I, maybe signing him was a make way for another deal. Maybe as a player we didn't necessarily need. I don't think that is the case. I would like to see him play more. I think it is probably that we see him in League One and realise the Premier League is quite a long way above League One. Yeah. And so maybe he just wasn't as good as we thought he was, actually. And you see him in training every day. Yeah, exactly. Against Premier League defenders. I don't know what happened to him, do you? Oh, uh, I mean, I just felt really sorry. He was totally frozen out and he was just literally you know, never got any game time and it really sort of killed his career, I think. It did, yeah. Because he wasn't a youngster when we signed him, he was like thirty odd, wasn't he? Yeah. So he wasn't like he was a young up and coming player. He was sort of a player looking, you know, Premier League move, last chance and never really got on the pitch. I felt sorry for him. Okay, Fel, I've got a question for you. You can only pick one of those four players to be in our side this season. Which one would you pick? There's two ways of looking at this. One, which way is which one's the best player? And the second one is um, who would actually have the most influence in the, in the well, team. Well, you've got to make that cool. Um, in terms of best player, you'd probably say Snodgrass. But in terms of probably who I'd pick in this team at the moment, I think what we need is Bradley Johnson. I think we need his personality in the side. Although, but oh, so ironically, Johnny Housen's my favourite one out of those four. But I'm, I'm not picking him. I think we need Bradley Johnson's personality back in the team. So the you're going to go with Johnson. I think so. I think he could play alongside Norman and really give that midfield some bite. Yeah, I didn't think of that. They they'd be quite a quite a formidable duo, wouldn't they? I think as so. A, as a base, I think they'd get their personality stamped on that team. I think that's what we need at the moment. There's a bit of personality in that side. Yeah, no, I I tend to agree with you. I mean, going off the cuff, could you argue for a Beccio? No, because we need goals. <laughs> well, the thing is, I I think it's far too simplistic just to blame the strikers for goals. Um, but the only thing I would say to counter that is that we've signed a couple of 
very good wide players. Well, hopefully it'll be very good. In Zolius and Rashica. Obviously, if they're getting down the line and getting balls in the box, which I think is what they look to do, like a centre-forward in the style of Becchio would probably be more effective than Puki. Yeah. But I don't think he'd be the answer. I don't. So I, you would you would take Johnson? I think so. Johnson or Housen, actually, but Johnson probably. Johnson. Okay. Now, there was one other player connection that... It's from a different era, but still within your uh, your memory span. So can you guess? It was um, a big-name player, actually, at the time. He joined us from Leeds. <sighs> he was a central defender. Uh, he yeah. oh, joined um, during a difficult time for the club. Uh, I can't think who it is. No, I was going to say... Um... Newsom, but it's not, is it? It is Newsom. Oh, we can Huddersfield for some reason. Yeah, yeah Newsom, it's yeah. John Newsom. Yeah, do yeah. you remember him? Central yeah, defender. Yeah, very good player. Awesome player. Tainted because he he joined us in the summer of the season that we got relegated, so 94-95. But the fact that he won player of the season that year kind of indicates that, you know, it, it certainly wasn't down to him, our yeah. relegation. He was the captain in the team. Now, he's got... A significant sort of, well, not significant, but he's part of Norwich City history in that he was our first ever £1 million signing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I need to pay good money for him. And there you go. A great player, great captain, just unfortunate timing, I guess. That is interesting, though, actually, when you think about it, because that's a similar era to what we said when we sold Chris Sutton, wasn't it, a couple of years, a year or two later. And we sold Chris Sutton for £5 million, which is now a British transfer record. Well, we signed, we sold Sutton... In the summer that we bought Newsom. Yeah. So in terms of football finances, like it was sold starting for five million, and it, which was at the time of the British transfer record. And now the British transfer record is like hundred or million, isn't it? Plus, well, I don't know what, what Man City paid for Jack Reed is like hundred and twenty million. Yeah. So it's increased by a huge multiple. Where obviously we were making one million pound signings then, and we're still not spending a huge amount more than. I mean, we are spending, I think, twelve million zolis, aren't we? But Really, our biggest signings are in the six, seven million pounds. It's like it just yeah. goes to show that football's finances have grown much bigger than Norwich's buying power has. That's it, exactly. Yeah, imagine if we'd spent 50 million in the 94 95 season. Yeah, oh, that would have won us the league by distance, probably. Yeah, one game I was going to mention because it was another huge game, and we've kind of found ourselves certainly recently with Leeds, we tended to be competing at the top for promotions haven't we yeah and this one i'm sure you went to this game and similar to the one we talked about where we beat them 3-1 at ellen road this had a real big game feel to it we beat them 1-0 do you remember towards the end of the 2009-2010 season chrissy martin scored a header i think quite late yeah so I missed the game. I was oh, no. At, I was at my mate Mark Lewis's stag do in London at the time, but keeping a close eye on it. And uh, yeah, I remember we won it 1-0 for a Chrissy Martin header and a massive result. But I remember, I remember the game early in the season being a big deal as well, which I think we lost, didn't we? We did. We lost 2-1 up there. And I think it was a Fraser Forster miss kick towards the end of the game, which yeah. cost us. But I remember even that having quite a big game feel to it, Yeah. even in the early stages of the season. But oh, yeah, that, that was a massive game at Carrow Road. And one we prevailed in, so exactly. But I can't see too much about it. You didn't see it, did you? I didn't. No, I just remember it was a late winner from Chris Martin, so I can imagine what the atmosphere is like. Because I think that was the defining game in terms of. I think Leeds were on a bit of a wobble at the time. We were obviously on a massive run, and that almost knocked them out of the 
equation for the title. Yeah, they and almost put us over the line. Yeah, because we they Leeds weren't guaranteed promotion on the last game of the season, even were they? Yeah, I think if they had won that game, it, it's it's like we see it often in football. It suddenly swings, doesn't it? And the momentum's with them, and yeah, it's a classic six pointer, isn't it? The gaps close, but we had enough to get over the line. I mean, that was in terms of the two sides, the crowd, the quality of on play. That really shouldn't have been in League One. So, final thoughts. Any one I jotted down here was obviously Wes's Wes Hulan's final game was against Leeds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we won 2-1. They did the classic, didn't they? You brought them off in the second half so you could get a yeah. you know, proper ovation. I remember it well. I mean, I love Wes Hulan, as we all know. He scored um, an unlikely goal. He kind of hit it from long range. Oh, he scored in that game? Yeah, he scored. And it was one of those, I mean, you wouldn't want to, you know, I'm obviously not one for spirituality, but it was almost written in the stars. He kind of hit it, took a massive deflection and hit both posts and went in. And it was almost one of those ones that almost just crawled over the line. It was it was quite incredible um, goal in, in that, it just the way it works out. But yeah, the last time we saw him, Leeds fans were great with him as well. Actually, to be fair, they gave him a you know clapped him off, and the Leeds players did as well. They gave yeah. him like a real big, I think, guard of honor when he came on the pitch. Yeah, so. that's it's a good point actually. Is they they do get a lot of stick, don't they? Yeah, Leeds and from me sometimes. My mate, my mate Travis is a Leeds fan, by the way. I'm just going to say hi to him if he's listening. Um, he's a top bloke. Um, and so I don't mean it. I love Leeds really. I would also say on the final thoughts, I went to Leeds away. I can't even remember what era it was. It was late two thousand in that period where we were slowly devolving uh, before we were in League One and obviously before they were as well. It was opening game of the season um, and we lost. But actually, the Leeds fans were great and when I was on the bus with them to the ground, yeah. everyone was having a chat and a yeah. laugh. They, they, to be fair, they were great. I'll, I'll give them that much. We need to get up there for a weekend, Phil, don't we? I love it. Leeds is a great city. It is, yeah. Yeah, relive my uh, youth. Again. Yeah, definitely. So where are you going on the predictions on this one? Well, uh, a, in, intriguing one, isn't it? Well, it's a home game. And Leeds aren't in the best of form at the moment. They've got a few injuries, haven't they? They've got a few injuries. And they're maybe not quite able to. They, they say this would be Elsa side, so that the, the high work rate and pressure catches up with them after a while. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe they've been a bit found out. Uh, and it's going to be, therefore, very easy to fall into this trap about, oh, we're going we're gonna to win at home. However, we are going to win a home game eventually. And I think if I think we'll do it, I think we'd, I'm going to go two one Norwich. Yeah, nice one. I mean, I'm edging towards a a win as well on the basis, like you say. I think even going through this podcast, it makes you realise we have raised our game actually against Leeds on quite a few occasions, haven't we? We actually have, yeah. Which makes a pleasant change. It's normally we're talking about historic defeats, yeah. but this one's been quite a positive, hasn't it? It actually has, yeah, yeah. It. So let's keep up that positive five and go uh, I'm going to go 2-1 as well I mean it kind of defeats the object picking the same score as you but yeah I'm going to go 2-1 as well oh that's quite a what a lovely note to end on that's it yeah hand in hand aren't we <laughs> yeah no controversy again excellent well thank you very much Far. thank you very, very enjoyable absolutely whether we do this first thing in the morning or Last thing at night. <laughs> I can still talk the same amount of rubbish. <laughs> Excellent. And on that note, I'll see you soon. See ya. Bye-bye.